You're listening to episode 14. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in-depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started. It's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it, and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really... I am the number one student, so get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Generals Podcast, where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. Davis Mutabo here, your host. I am super excited to bring you today's feature guest, Mr. Mark Barnes. Mark, are you ready to share your entrepreneurial story? Davis, I am ready. I'm excited to do it. Fantastic. Well, Mark is a longtime educator, a best-selling author, founder of Times 10 Publications, and the creator of Hack Learning Series. Mark is also the author of six education books and has co-authored Hack Learning's flagship book, Hacking Education, 10 Quick Fixes for Every School. And listen to this, reaching nearly 5 million people every month on Twitter, at his Twitter handle, at MarkBarnes19, Mark is one of education's most recognizable engagers, a popular keynote speaker, and an education presenter. So I am super excited to hear more about Mark's story. So ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome Mark to the show. Mark, why don't you kick us off and perhaps just take 30 seconds to tell us who is Mark outside of business. Okay, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm very excited about it. And uh, yeah, I, I was a longtime educator, and uh, I'm a lifelong Clevelander which is a lot cooler now than it has been for most of my life. You know, I used to say, right. not bring that up too much. <laughs> but now it's, it's neat to be a Clevelander. You know, our Metro Parks have just won a national award. Uh, we host the Republican National Convention. The Cleveland Cavaliers are the reigning NBA champions. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so Cleveland, and uh, I'm married to an educator. I've got two teenaged kids, which, you know, keeps me crazy. And uh, and I'm the I am the self-proclaimed greatest fantasy football player in the world. So there you go. That's a that's a little personal background. Now you see, I grew up in Zambia, which is in the southern part of Africa, and football there is one thing. You know, straight away we live now. Football is another thing, and I bet for you it's different. So you're going to be mm-hmm. more specific, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We, you know, it's funny you said that because I was just having this conversation with my son. We were we were talking about the difference in football, the word, and, and depending on where you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So football here in in the states, it's all about the National Football League, you know, which is starting to sort of branch out in other parts of the world. They've been in Europe now for the last few years, and and again, as a Clevelander, when if we're talking about sports, we like to stick more to basketball, where we have LeBron James and the Cavaliers, because talking football in Cleveland is not a good thing. It's not a good thing, right? (laughs) Now, just while we're on football, right, um, is is your football, do they spend most of the time with the ball on their feet or in their hands? Oh, hands, for sure, yeah. 
Yeah, there's a in, kicking in football in our world is uh, you, if you're a fan, you don't want to see too much kicking because you're you're probably not doing very well. <laughs> you're right, right, right. Yeah, Australian rules football is the same. You know, it's mostly in the hands. So I say to the guys, why do you call right. it football? Yeah. Um, <laughs> very good, very good. Hey, tell us how long have you been in um, full time business for yourself? Well, uh, just a little over three years. You know, I, I taught in the classroom for about 23 years, and uh, starting in the summer of 2013, I left the classroom, and uh, that was when I was um, uh, an author, and I became a speaker, and I traveled quite a bit to, um, to, to speak and present about education. Now, my company, Timestamp Publications and Hack Learning, which is now my primary business, launched in early 2015, so we're still pretty young. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very interesting. And what are your core revenue streams, Mark? Well, we have nine books right now, uh, which we distribute worldwide through Amazon, Kindle, Barnes & Noble, uh, another online platform called PayHip, and other networks. So, And we distribute to, of course, uh, through, through the major channels, anyone in the world. But um, we also reach out to, to schools. And, you know, we, we distribute directly to them sometimes for professional development because our books are really for the education audience. So book sales account for roughly 70% of our revenue. And uh, the rest is generated through online courses and consulting. Mm-hmm. Mark, a lot of people actually say don't expect to make a decent living out of book sales. Mm-hmm. Is that um, something that you found to be to be true or you've, you've found a way around that? Well, it's certainly true when you're starting. And I think, you know, in, in the publishing and writing world, it's, it's very difficult for one. You know, as a writer, you know, unless you're a, a fiction writer and you're fortunate enough to write a New York Times bestseller, it's very difficult to make a living and it takes a lot of work to build your audience. Very few people you know, write a book and put it in the hands of a major publisher and then just kick back and, you know, watch the money roll in. Mostly when you're a writer and a publisher, you're, you're also a marketer. And, and that's been one of the biggest things I've learned. So it, it's challenging. In the beginning, it was difficult. And uh, what I have worked very hard to do is to build uh, a series of books that is a brand. So where we have become successful is in really having a team of authors work very hard to um, share not just their topics and, and what they're passionate about, but to try and get our audience to to, um, to subscribe to our brand, to say, you know, I, I found one hack learning book that I really liked, and, oh, there's more, so I want to go get those too. So that's really what it takes on my end at least. And I think if you're a small publisher, you know, you're never going to get rich on one book. You You have to... Uh, you have to put out a whole lot of quality content and you have to nurture your audience to get them to keep coming back. Mm. So what is the number one thing that you're teaching your audience today, that sort of key message that you find yourself sharing consistently in the more recent past? Yeah, um, well, for, you know, our audience is, I think, anyone who's invested in teaching and learning. So I always say it could be teachers, it could be administrators, it could be parents, uh, college, people in the college world, or really, in some cases, anyone who's excited about learning. We did, we did a book called Hacking Leadership, and 
although it was written by educators, I think there's so much in the book that teaches value about leadership skills. I think that book would be great for entrepreneurs. I think it would be great for small business. Our message is that we solve problems easily. And, and that's what I want anyone who hears the phrase hack learning uh, to get is that anything that comes from us, whether it's books, uh, we do a lot of online content, whether it's just sharing, we share content all over social network, um, social network. So I think the message is if you see something coming from hack learning or coming from me or any author of hack learning, what you're going to get is uh, some really neat solutions to problems that you probably haven't thought about. And you, you look at them and you go, oh, I could do that right away. That's really simple. So that's what we like to do, solve problems easily. I like that. How, how did the journey for you start as an entrepreneur? So you, you launched the business three years ago or somewhere thereabouts, but did, is that when it started for you or way before that? Well, well, I mean, it did start before that, I think. I, when I was still a full-time classroom teacher, uh, I was sort of uh, laying the, the groundwork for leaving the classroom, and that's not because I wanted to get away from teaching, because I loved it. I love kids. I love education. But I felt that I had a, a, a broader audience to reach. You know, I had learned so much in over two decades as a classroom teacher, and I was writing about it, so I wanted to share. So, yeah, even before I left, I started going out and doing some uh, some some conventions and and conferences and going out to schools and writing more. So I was I started building my blog. So that that was a big piece, you know, to helping build the brand was sort of getting my word out there and getting people outside of my community where I worked and taught to know who I am and and what kind of message I wanted to share. Um, but, you know, then the, there's a little bit of a sort of a circuitous route to getting to where I am now as the uh, owner and publisher at Times 10 Books. Is And, you know, I started when I left the classroom, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to travel all over and I'm going to talk education and I'm going to get people excited about the kinds of changes that I made and all that. And, you know, it didn't take very long for me to realize that that wasn't going to work because, I didn't love to travel, and and I found out that you know it was I'm not as young as I used to be, and and it was it was very hard on me, and I didn't like being away from my family, and you know it's funny because I I kind of left the classroom to say okay I'm going to travel the world, and I'm going to talk to people, and then I was like oh wait a minute this isn't working out I don't like this, so you know that sort of got me back into writing and, and back into um. You know, and, and led me to a good relationship with the co-author of Hacking Education, Jennifer Gonzalez. And, you know, when we wrote that first book, uh, you know, everything changed because it, then it was like, hey, wait a minute, this could be a series. And, and that ultimately led to, uh, you know, opening times 10 and, and to where I am now. Less travel, more, more publishing. Right. So I want to just dig in a little bit more on your transition from, you know, 23 years of being a teacher. I'm sure you could have continued for... I don't know, many more years perhaps, but how did you make that decision to draw the line and walk away? Because a lot of people are in that position, but struggling to do that. Yeah, and that's a great question, Davis, and it's, it's, uh, it's challenging, I think, for entrepreneurs. I've actually had, interestingly, I've, I've had other classroom teachers who have met me on social media who've reached out to me. And they're sort of at that place too. You know, a lot of them are, have written books and maybe they've taught for 15, 20, 25 years and they're like, you know, I, I feel like I'm ready to make the move. How do you do it? And 
I think that uh, worked for me is that I was in a good situation because my wife is a teacher. And so, you know, the first thing you have to think about is your own personal finances. So, you know, if I were a, a, a single guy and I was teaching and I said, you know, I'm going to leave the classroom and I'm going to go out and be an entrepreneur, it would have been a whole lot more challenging because you you give up that foundation of salary. You know, as an educator, you've, you've got a biweekly check rolling in, you know, so, you know, when, when the money runs out, there's always more coming. It may not be a lot more, but, you know, you have that sort of security of the check coming in. So... What helped me was that I, we had the income of my wife, and and also I had her support. You know, she she felt that it was time. She saw me. I, well, I'll tell you, when I was my last year of teaching, when I first realized I was going to leave the classroom and travel and write and do all these things, I was working crazy hours. I was teaching full time, you know, which in and of itself can be a, a eight, ten, twelve hour a day job. Then on top of that, I was teaching online courses, I was writing, I was preparing presentations. You know, it got to a point where I was working 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. She said, something's got to change, you know, that this, is, this isn't working for our family. And, you know, so she was inspirational. She sort of helped me. She said, hey, why don't you just make this leap? You know, we'll, we'll work things out financially. We've got my income. We've got medical benefits, which was very helpful. That's always a consideration, you know. And... um Anyway, so that helped. And then, you know, but there's some fear there. So I had to get over the fear. I had to say, I'm going to do this. And, uh, you know, eventually you have to take the plunge. And, you know, I listen to a lot of entrepreneurs and, and, and read their books. And, you know, one thing I've, I've heard from anyone who's been successful is that you have to face your fear and say, I'm going to do this and, uh, and work from there. And tell me how those initial months, I don't know, six months, nine months, how did that go? Well, you know, I've heard so many people who are new to business or the entrepreneur world who, who have these, you know, horrifying stories of their failure uh, and, and what it took to get over that. And those are important. But I, for me, interestingly, for me, I was very successful in the beginning. And it was because I was doing something different from what I do now. Uh, you know, I had a book. I, I, I wrote a book about my own personal journey as an educator. It's called Role Reversal. It was published by ASCD, you know, a very big, popular education company. And they, they made that. What They have a huge membership. They probably have forty or 50,000 educators as members. And as a part of their membership, they get free books every year. So what they did is they made my book a member book, which means they sent it to about 15,000 people. And those people were primarily decision makers. They were school administrators, principals, curriculum directors, superintendents. So what happened was they all got the book, and a lot of them liked it. And suddenly I started getting contacted like crazy from people all over the country, people in other countries saying, hey, I love this book. And I love your story, your journey to change as an educator. Could you come out and, you know, teach my teachers about this? Could you tell us how to make this this journey? Take the specifics of your book and, and elaborate on them. Give us your path, all of that. And so I was fortunate in my first year to have a lot of work. And, and I, it, you know, I learned quickly uh, that, you know, people are, are willing to pay, quote, experts, you know, fairly well. So 
I actually did very well the first year. The first six months, first year, I did very well. And then what happened when I when I decided I was going to stop doing that and I was going to publish books, suddenly things changed. And it, that's when it got really hard. That's very interesting. Um, so just, and I know that you've got a huge story and I've listened to, uh, I was actually listening to your TED talk, which was amazing, by the way. Um, what, what could you share is the, the, the crux of um, the thing that you changed, so the, the big thing that you changed in your, in your education journey? I mean, we've got a, a five-year-old. She's coming on five, year, five years old, and, um, and a lot of people listening to this podcast will be maybe have children or, or, or nephews or, or whatever. So what is the one thing that you say you, you helped change and that's the key, key message of, of what you teach? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I, I always love talking about this, so I'll try to give you the abbreviated version because <laughs> I can go on and on and on. <laughs> so the, the first book I wrote was called Role Reversal, and, and the idea behind it is to literally reverse the roles in the classroom and to sort of put the kids at the center of everything and to move the teacher to the side. Because we're very teacher-directed in education, certainly in the states and, and in, in a lot of other places. And, uh, and, and, and actually, I think in Australia, there's some of the more progressive education you'll see is there, which is great. Uh, and, and I learned a lot from progressive educators one year. I, you know, uh, the, the story is that I, I taught for about, I don't know, 12 or 13 years, and I was a very traditional teacher. I was that guy standing in front of the classroom, lecturing, handing out the worksheets, and, you know, kids just didn't like it. And, but it was what I did. I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And finally one year, I, you know, I had a bad year, and I just, it hit me. I said, wow, I, what are you doing? You know, it's one of those soul-searching moments that I think we all have. You know, you do something for a long time, and, and at some point you got to reflect. And I don't know, it just hit me. I said, man, I don't think I'm helping the kids. And that's a really tough thing to realize after you've been teaching for a long time or doing anything for a long time, you know. So uh, I had to change. So that was it. I reversed the roles. I went in the next year. I changed everything. I, I threw away my workbooks and my worksheets and all of my lectures and uh, and, and I just I taught differently, and everything was about the kids. I, instead of standing and saying, here's what you have to learn, I said, here's, some, here's what we'd like to learn. Let's learn it together. How can we do this? And I started giving them a voice, and then everything changed. Integrated technology, like I had I'd always been afraid of technology. And suddenly it was like, well, wait a minute. Kids love technology. How can we harness the power of technology for learning? And everything changed. And so this is the... The message and the story that has attracted um, other educators. Um, so, walk me through maybe how you then went about to acquire your first client. Was it just through that book that you shared before, or was it um, something something slightly different? Well, yeah. I mean, I would think when I'm talking about client, you know, for me, I I go back to my own publishing company. Now, I, I had a lot of people who bought the first book, and actually, I, I wrote five books for two different publishers uh, before I um, started my own company and started publishing well, my work and other authors. So, but I didn't really look at those as clients. You know, I just wanted people to buy my book. Now, I I do I do look at people who buy as uh, I, I, I call them stakeholders, you know, the people who invest in education but also invest in my company when they purchase our product. So um, for me, the, the first one was, it's hard to pinpoint one, 
because what happens is, you know, in the publishing world, you you um, publish your book and you put it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Kindle and other places, and you can't really track an individual unless, you know, they happen to be the first one to buy and they immediately put a review up and say, hey, I just got this. It doesn't really work that way. But what was great for me, you know, when, when we did Hacking Education back in the summer of 2015, and that was the first book my company published, and I was the co-author, so I was really invested in this project. And I, I, I'd never done it. You know, I, I didn't know how to do it. I was just sort of building the airplane in flight. But when, I, when that book hit Amazon, the first day it went live. We were watching, you know, I said, okay, and we were sharing it out with our networks and telling people about it even before it went live. But then we saw sales, you know, and we couldn't pinpoint it to one, but we, you just saw them. As soon as, you know, what happens on Amazon is you watch your sales rank. So when a book goes live on Amazon, you know, at first you won't have any sales rank because you don't have sales. So then one person buys and suddenly you're ranked. And that rank after one sale, it, it'll probably be in the millions, you know, maybe maybe hundreds of thousands because there's, you know, millions of books on Amazon. But then more people start buying and you start climbing. And that's what's really cool. You're looking and you're going, oh, you know, my, my co-author, Jen Gonzalez, and I were messaging back and forth. And we're like, hey, we're, we're at 50,000 sales rank. And, you know, and then suddenly when you get up inside of, you know, like 10,000, you're selling books. And then the next thing you know is you see a review pop up. That's one of the coolest things for an author. And then for a publisher, like now, I'm, in, I'm as invested in the other authors as I was in myself. I love seeing success for my other authors because it means people like hack learning. You know, So whenever there's a review that pops up, I'm like, oh, we just got a review on hacking assessment or we just got a review on make writing. I'm so excited about that because it shows that people are in are invested in what we're doing, and, and it's really a neat feeling. Mm. So, what was your growth strategy at the beginning? Whether it was through, you know, through your speaking and your book writing and just marketing that whole program that you had together. The biggest thing for me, and, and I, I still say this today, even though I, I have other marketing channels now and other ways to market. But the biggest thing in the beginning and still today is super huge is social media. Uh, when I knew that I was going to leave the classroom as a full-time classroom teacher. And I knew before I was even going to be a book publisher, I was an author and I was a speaker. And I said, okay, so a small amount of people know who I am. So what? I have to get my name out there. I got to get people to know who I am and get uh, conference leaders and education decision makers to say, hey, we want Mark Barnes to come and talk to our people. How do I do it? So I dedicated myself to building an audience on social media. Uh, I worked very hard on building a Twitter audience. And, you know, you said in the open in that introduction how, you know, I, I can hit 5 million news feeds through Twitter alone. And I don't do that every month, but I have done it. And typically I'm anywhere between one and a half and three or four million news feeds monthly. And that takes work. And it isn't just about having an audience. It's about knowing how to reach people and know to, knowing how to get people to to like what you share and to say, now I want to share this with my audience too. And, you know, that creates what they call that viral effect, you know. If I share something, I mean, I have over 100,000 followers on Twitter now, so if I share something, it'll hit those news feeds. But then when a few of those people retweet it, you know, well, it hits their news feeds. And then maybe some of those people hit it, and, you know, it's that whole ripple effect. 
and that's what gives you a wide audience. So I worked very hard to do that. Uh, I started some Facebook groups. You know, I wrote a lot about assessment and about changing how we assess kids and trying to de-emphasize traditional grades. So I created a Facebook page or group called Teachers Throwing Out Grades. And, you know, that group started with me. <laughs> and now, you know, about two years later, you know, that group has nearly 7,000 people around the world in it. And, and you know, for some people who think, well, 100,000 followers, that's great, but 7,000 people, that's not that many when you comparatively. But in a Facebook group, that's a very niche thing. You know, that's like that's like people who are really interested in a topic are going to join. So when you get close to 7,000 around the world who are interested in talking pretty much only about assessment, you know, that's a neat thing. So that's a huge audience for us. And so those things have helped. And now I've got, a you know, our Hack Learning Facebook page has, I don't know, 12, 13,000 fans. And, you know, it's just it's all about hitting those people and sharing good content constantly so they say wow i want to keep coming back to these guys because they're giving me good stuff and that's the key for us too is we give away a ton of stuff i mean we've given away uh, over fifty thousand dollars worth of books this year alone and we're, we're only in october at the time of this interview so you know people know they're going to get great stuff and they don't always have to you know dole out a bunch of money so what i love about your story is it's quite recent so the strategies that I get. I know social media changes all the time, but um, somebody listening and they're you know they're in the position you were. Maybe you know they've got 20 followers on Twitter or you know very few likes on Facebook or followers. So how did when you say you worked really hard to build your um, audience? Just give us a couple of key things that um, are effective today. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so. The big things with Twitter, and, and, there's, and there's a lot of crossover into other social networks too, but Twitter is really what I'm best at. Um, what you have to do in, in order, and Twitter will tell you this, if you look on their, on the Twitter site and you go to their help and you actually, they have all these categories, one of them is how to build an audience. Because you know, people go on Twitter and they're like, okay, well I can tweet all I want, but if there's, if I don't have any followers, who's listening? You know, <laughs> who's reading what I'm tweeting? So, um, you know, so the first thing you have to do is you have to find, what I, I always use the, for the, the word like-minded. You have to find like-minded people. Because, you know, for me, not that everyone doesn't have value, but, you know, if, if I'm following, you know, auto mechanics, th that has nothing to do with me, you know, and I, I, I can barely change the oil in my car. So, you know, I wouldn't go out and follow someone in, in that world because they, I don't have that much interest in them and there's a chance they won't have that much interest in me. So what I'm going to do is you want to find like-minded people. So I search for educators. And, and Twitter is a very powerful search engine. You know, you can go right in and you can search teacher, education, educator, educational technology, anything at all. And you'll find people tweeting about it. And then all you got to do is click follow. It's the simplest thing in the world. And the nice thing is there, there's a lot of third-party tools now that make this easier. And I, I actually teach a Twitter course, uh, both for educators and then for entrepreneurs as well. And um, that, you know, really dives deep into this. But the key is not just with Twitter, with Facebook, with anything, is to find like-minded people and, and to follow them because in most cases or friend them 
and they'll they'll follow a friend back if if you look interesting. You know, get a good profile that says who you are and what you do and what's your message. And then the the second key factor is to share great content. That's what it's all about in social media. Is people want something that's engaging. They want something that makes them better. You know, especially in the entrepreneurial world. You know, I I follow a lot of great entrepreneurs and I'm an educator. But there's one of those cases now where my world has shifted a little bit. So now I'm always looking for people who are good marketers, you know, who have built a business and, and talk about their own failings. And so, you know, there's a lot of great people out there like that. So I follow them. I share their content. And then when I write something, now I'm, I'm producing more content about building successful businesses. I share it. And, and uh, again, I mentioned free stuff. I give away tons of content. And, you know, people want free. (laughs) And when you give them a lot of great content that's free, then they'll eventually say when they see something that's for sale, well, hey, I've seen a lot of good stuff from this guy or I've seen a lot of good stuff from Hack Learning. Let me take a shot at this and I'm willing to pay now. So so that's very interesting. So for Twitter, right, um, when we say share, you've got that limited um, 140 characters or whatever. So are you providing generally links or you're actually providing you know just you know snap content you know bits of uh, information in that you know small small space well davis you got to be careful man you're, you're getting into an area that i could just talk and talk and talk and talk we we, <laughs> we, we might need like a four-hour show <laughs> um the, the big thing now and you mentioned 140 characters and i i love talking about this with people who are interested in twitter Twitter is changing rapidly. It's, it's right now we're in an amazing time with Twitter where their whole business model is changing. So one of the things that they've spent a ton of time thinking about and polling their audience about is the, the idea of the 140 characters and the limit. And while they don't want to abandon that because that's who Twitter is, they still want to make it easier for people to share more content and be less limited so one of the, some recent things, and this is, you know, I, I don't know when this will will air and if it'll still be current or not when it does, but uh, as of right now, Twitter has recently made major changes. So for one, your images no longer count as characters. Now images used to count because you know an image when you share an image on social media, that image has a web address, a URL. Well, each of those count as those URLs count as characters. You might not see them. If I put a picture on Facebook or Twitter, people might not see the embedded URL behind that image. So they might not know anything about it, but it's characters. Well, that used to count against you on Twitter. They no longer count the image against you, so that gives you more space. So I could actually use 140 characters in my tweet, and I can add an image, and that doesn't count. So that gives you more to work with. Um, but yeah, you gotta share images, you gotta share web addresses. Uh, the rumor is that, um, hashtags are, will not count in the future. Now they haven't made that change yet, but, uh, that change I, I understand is coming. So, you know, if you, uh, we have hashtag hack learning and we have a huge conversation that's always ongoing and we have a live chat, Twitter's making it easier for you to deliver a message. And, and to do it in fewer characters because you can include links, images, hashtags, all of those things and reach a wider audience. Cool. Now, 
Mark, I really appreciate you sharing that information about um, Twitter. In terms of leads, how do you convert what, you, what you're seeing on social media into your house leads, if you like, so on your email database? Well, that's a really important question, uh, and there's, there's so many different strategies. Uh, I'll tell you one of the things that I have been doing, and, and let me just say as, as sort of a disclaimer and, and to be totally transparent, one of my biggest failings as an entrepreneur has been uh, that I have neglected my email list for far too long. So in, in the beginning, you know, as I said, I worked very hard to build a Twitter audience. And then I worked hard to build up a Facebook audience. And, and I have a pretty big connections on LinkedIn. But, you know, I was talking to some other people who are entrepreneurs, and, and I'm always asking people, what are you doing that's, that's helping you? And so many people are saying, well, you got to really build that email list. And, you know, I know, I know one person, a, a good friend of mine, and he's also in education, and this is rare, but he's got an email list with over 40,000 people on it. And this, when this guy puts out a product, it sells like crazy because his list, these are people he's nurtured over time. They believe in him and his content. Well, when I was talking to him, and this is a year ago, he said, man, you got to work on that list. So I just wanted to, to know my list isn't that big. I probably have 4,000 people on my email list at the time of this interview. But what I'm doing and what I started doing is working very hard to get people. And, and the simplest thing for me was just to leverage what I already had. I have a, a, a blog that I've been writing clear back to when I was a teacher called Brilliant or Insane. And it's all about education. You know, what's brilliant about it? What's insane about it? And we put out great content, tons of great content, and that audience is built up huge now. I probably get fifty to 100,000 readers every month. Well, you know, thanks to a great tip from my friend, he said the first thing you want to do is leverage that audience. He said put your – get some uh, um, some lead magnets. Get something that you can give away that people will give you their email for. That's really important. And I'm guessing a lot of your audience has probably heard this before, so I won't get too deep into it because there's so many people better than me or more knowledgeable than me when it comes to the email world to share all this stuff. But, you know, if you have something really good that you can give away and and then you can just ask people to sign up for it, that's great. And, and I, if, if I can, I'll mention one tool that I use because I know I love when I'm listening to shows and hearing people and they say, here's a good tool. I love that. So, and this is, my, my friend, a friend of mine told me about this. So, there's a tool if you're a blogger called Sumo Me. Sumo Me. And it's a plug-in for your WordPress blog. And the great thing about Sumo Me is it's got all kinds of different tools to drive people to your lead magnet. So, it'll have an email capture. It has what's called a welcome mat. So, when people see something of mine on Twitter and they click through it, the first thing that will happen is this little mat will roll down. I'm sure people have seen them. They're all over. And this little mat will roll down, and it's, it's an advertisement. But the key is, you know, I don't say, hey, go buy Hack Learning Books. What I do on that welcome mat is give something away. You give something away, and you say, hey, you want to get this? You want to learn more about this? Put your email in. So that's been huge, and, and that has helped me, the idea of leveraging my already existing audience by giving them some stuff, but instead of just always making it a link directly to the content, asking for that email address, 
that has really helped uh, my list, which, again, is small right now, but, you know, a, a year or two ago it was non-existent. So I've gone from nothing to uh, three or 4,000 people in a very short time. And the key is when you nurture those people, when you give them good stuff over and over and over again, then when you lead them to something that's for sale, you get a whole lot better result. We just launched a book. So here's a, here's a nice example for, for your audience. Uh, my, my company just launched a book called Hacking Engagement. And in that book, the author gives 50 tips and tools to engage teachers and learners daily. Fabulous book. So on launch, when that book goes and hits Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and everything else, we want to lead our audience to it. Well, I sent an email to my list, and all I did was talk about some of the strategies. I didn't say, hey, here's this book, go get it. I talked about a couple of the tips and tools that our author gives and how neat they are. And I said, are you using these? Because they're great for educators. They're great for kids, kids like this and kids like that. And then at the end, I just said, and hey, if you want to see more of these, you know, I just gave you maybe five tips and tools. Would you see 45 more? Check this out. And then I put a link in there to the Amazon page. And that day on launch, we started in the sales rank before I sent that email, we started in the sales rank at about 59,000 and we ended the day at about 3,000. So that's a massive leap in sales um, because, you know, and it isn't all that. My author helped to, he was sharing content. We were putting things on Twitter and Facebook, but a lot of those people on my email list bought. So that, that's a, that's a, it's a powerful connection. Yeah. Look, appreciate you sharing that. And, um, We'll link up all the references to the Sue and Me and uh, all the links to the books that, um, that Mark is mentioning here. Mark, I just wanted to um, pivot a little bit here and talk about failure. Now, you've touched on it on the, on the email front, but a lot of um, people who are in the corporate world or um, maybe running a business that they are not um, excited about, they have that fear of failure, fear of what if it doesn't work. And I often want to say, what if it does work? Um, so can you share a key moment um, in your journey, maybe outside of the email experience that you felt um, was a moment of failure and how you've come out of that? And um, just um, share that story with us. Sure. Yeah. Well, there's many, <laughs> uh, you know, there's many failures and, and you, re- you really have to keep working hard to overcome those. And I think the people who are successful do, and I, I like to think that I have. But for me, and I, and I did touch on this, but I'll elaborate a little bit. So when I left the classroom at, back in 2013, uh, 2012-13 school year was my last as an in-class teacher. And so the, the fall of the of 2013 came the next year my first year out of the classroom and what i was doing was was traveling i was going to conferences and schools around the country a little bit of work in canada and i was presenting to teachers so you know someone called me from a a school district in toronto canada and said hey um could you come and work with our teachers for a day and teach them all about what you do and show them some neat technology that they can share with their kids. And, you know, I said, sure, that's great. Well, that turns out to be three days of a trip. So I, I, I go up there. I have to work my way through customs. I, you know, I had to take an hour drive in, in a rental car to a hotel. I had to find the school the next day. 
once I get to the school, everything's great. I'm in front of educators. I'm a teacher. Teachers are fun. Teachers always seem to get along. We're having a great day of presentation. They're learning. They're saying, man, this is good. I love this. I'm feeling pretty good. Then I have to go back and stay at my hotel. I have to get back to the airport. I have to go through customs. I got to come back to the States, all of that. And I'm, I'm on a plane and I'm, I'm coming home. And fortunately, that's a, that's a short flight, but I've had some out to the West Coast and other parts of other countries that are a whole lot longer. But, you know, it's a short flight, but still I'm thinking about it, and I'm sort of reflecting on this event. And I'm thinking, you know, you, you really helped some teachers there, but I can't get this nagging feeling that I just didn't like it. I'm like, I, I miss my kids, you know, I miss my wife. I don't like traveling when you're in the in the presenting or being a speaker world is very lonely you know if you're not with other people if you're not going to an event with someone or you're presenting as a team if you're just by yourself it's very lonely it looks glamorous people go oh you're going to Toronto you're going to New York you're going here or there that you're going to see this you're going to see that it's none of that what it is is airports hotels work and then more hotels and airports on home and it just to me that was I felt like I was doing good but in the business world, I felt like a failure because I thought this is why I left something I had been doing for 23 years. I was a classroom teacher for 23 years. And I thought, wow, you left all that behind to do something you really don't like to do. So that was, that was an epiphany and it, and it was a very tough one for me. And, uh, I, you know, I did continue speaking throughout that year. But um, I, I started also laying the foundations for change. And I said to, you know, my wife and to myself and friends, I, I can't keep doing this. I'm, I want to stay in education and I don't want to, I still don't want to go back to the classroom because I believe I can reach a, a wider audience and do different kinds of work if I'm not in the classroom. But I can't do it sitting on planes and sleeping in hotels. So that, that ultimately led to a major change and to where I am today. Right. And so what would you say was the biggest breakthrough moment in your in your business in its current form today? Uh that that one's an easy one. Uh when someone emailed me and uh this is about a year ago, someone emailed me and said, "Hey, I love your books." Now at that time we only had I think two books published in the Hack Learning series. And a person emailed me and said, "I'm a teacher. I've read your books. I love them." And I have a good idea, and I would like to talk to you about writing a book for your hack learning series. And at that moment, reading that email, I knew that we'd gone from just this sort of fly-by-night, independent, small publisher that no one knew to a legitimate brand, that someone saw a series of books and a brand and understood the mission and said, I want to be a part of that. And I, and I felt like at that very moment that, you know, I, I was successful at in the publishing world. And, you know, and now again, we're, we're uh, eight books in, we've got nine, 10, 11, and 12 in either writing or, or some other part of the process right now. Uh, I, I'm getting pitched, you know, four or five, six times a week for ideas. So, it's very exciting. Right. That's that's pretty good. Congratulations on that. Um, so I want to shift again, uh, Mark. What? How would you rank the following five? 
faith, fun, family, finances, and friendships? Oh, that, that's a good one. I, I, I think that I'll probably say what a lot of people say. Um, although I'm sure many people start with faith. I, w- I would start with family. And, and then, uh, again, uh, maybe a lot of people would go with faith and friendships in that order. But I would go family. And then I would go right to finances. And the reason I rank that so high is because it, it keeps food on the table. You know, it's important to do that. So uh, the family and then the finances so we can have a good family life, friendships, uh, fun. Uh, I'm, I'm not a man of faith in the spiritual sense. Uh, my faith is more in relationships and hard work. So if I added that, it would be at the end, but it would be more related mm-hmm. to those things. Um, I'd love to ask um, how a 30-second, um, you know, just give us a 30-second brief looking into how your day would look like at the beginning of your business and um, how that looks like today. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I love that one. Um, when I started... It, it looked a lot different. I worked 10 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week, and, and I got very little accomplished. Uh, I had no business sense. Uh, I had very little direction. You know, I was just sort of, I was trying to do everything at the same time, constantly interrupted. You know, I would be in the middle of a project and then jump on Facebook or Twitter because I said, oh, I got to constantly stay in touch with my audience. And, you know, it was very very hectic and and not so productive now uh, i work i work far fewer hours and i accomplish much more and and a lot of that has just been from learning uh from talking to people like you from from reading books by successful entrepreneurs from having conversations with people who have made the transition and, and you know i consume everything i get my hands on that gives tips for being successful in business, successful in marketing, and also to improve your workflow and to work more successfully. Hmm. So being more productive, that's great. Um, Do you invest in mentors? Um, And if yes, why? And who are those for you, if you can share those? Yeah, well, I mean, I invest in, and and I think the way people... um, might envision this question being answered. If you said, yes, I invest in mentors, they may be thinking of, you know, going out and, and hiring a mentor and paying a, a lot of money for, you know, private sessions and phone calls and all that. And I, I do not do that. I have not done that. Uh, what I do that I call investing in mentors is a little bit like I just said. I, I listen to podcasts a lot, um, you know, almost daily. I listen to people who I believe in. Uh, people like John Lee Dumas, uh, who, who does Entrepreneur on Fire, which has been number one on iTunes in every category, is one of the most listened to podcasts in the world. And, you know, like you, Davis, he interviews entrepreneurs every day. And he, his show's a little different from this, which I think is cool because you, you want, you want to get some difference in what you're getting. But, um, you know every day that you're going to get someone who works for themselves and who does things in in ways that maybe you haven't heard about. That's fabulous. Uh, I have um, I have purchased online courses from mentors. Um, I bought. I, we, you know, we talked earlier about email and and building your list and email marketing. And I bought a a mentoring course 
from uh, Amy Porterfield. And Amy Porterfield is, is one, of the, one of the giants in entrepreneurship. And she's got a really neat background. She's been in the corporate world, and you know she's she's worked for some huge companies, but she now is really successful at list building, at advertising on Facebook, marketing on Facebook, and other social networks. And I knew when I really wanted to build my list, I said I got to go to someone who knows the who's the best, who's the best out there doing this. So yeah, I invested, spent some money on that, and. Um, I think it's important, you know, you, you have to look at the money, everybody has to look at their own investment and their own marketing budget and, and say, you know, what can I afford? But I think it's really important to find people who know what they're doing, who have done it and have been successful and to, to follow their lead. Mm, appreciate that. Um, so you talked a little bit about books and reading. Um, what, what two books would rank at the top of your list for um, entrepreneurs? Well, I would start with Drive by Daniel Pink, and and I, Daniel Pink is uh, you know it's a New York Times bestseller. He's a hugely popular author in the nonfiction world, and it, it's not I wouldn't say his audience is entrepreneurs, although he has written some other um, books that probably are. Um, uh, he has a book I think it's called To Sell as Human. Um, something about sales. I hope I didn't get that wrong. <laughs> you can you can double check me. But that's more for entrepreneurs. But I like Drive because it's about what motivates us. And, and Drive is all about what makes people do what they do and in, in, in any part of life. But if you can understand what motivates people, uh, you, you can be really successful in anything. So I love Drive. In fact, Drive was one of my biggest inspirations in changing how I taught back when I was still a classroom teacher, which ultimately led to me writing my first book and, and got me to where I am today. So uh, I, I think Daniel Pink and Drive was a huge, huge inspiration for me. And, and I think anyone, no matter what business you're in, it's a great book. It's, it's the first book I recommend no matter who I'm ever talking to. It doesn't matter what you're into, what you like. This is a book for people, Drive. And then uh, the other one I would mention, uh, and this is very much for entrepreneurs, is, for, is called uh, Will It Fly by Pat Flynn. And... Uh, Again, I mean, if you're like me and you're someone who's making a journey into entrepreneurship, uh, you can't go wrong with Pat Flynn. I mean, this, this is a guy that he's, you know, he's, he's, I refer to him as the godfather of, you know, entrepreneurship. I mean, he went from, you know, he's a true story of going from, from nothing and failing to super success in, online marketing, selling things online, and now he's, like like John Lee Dumas, has a hugely popular podcast. Um, so, yeah, Will It Fly is all about uh, taking your idea from, from start to end and, and making it fly. And he's got, you know, sort of a blueprint. It's really neat. So, Pat Flynn's great. Fantastic. Well, we'll link those up as well in the, in the show notes. So, uh, appreciate you sharing that. Um, what is the best way for people to connect with you, Mark? Well, Twitter. <laughs> you know, we've talked a lot about Twitter, and and that's where where I'm easy to find. Uh, I'm at Mark Barnes 19, and uh, you know, if you if you want to follow up and with me and and you know discuss any of this stuff, make sure you mention me in a tweet. If you mention at Mark Barnes 19, I get hundreds of mentions usually a day. But I work very hard. It's a part of my workflow is I'll spend 15 to 20 minutes of time every day going through my mentions. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's people just sharing something with me. But uh, I try to respond to every question. 
uh, if someone says something specifically or asks me something specifically on Twitter, uh, I always try to reply. So that's a great way to do it. Mention me at Mark Barnes 19. You can learn all about hack learning, my uh, publishing business, and the hack learning series of books at hashtag hack learning and at hacklearning.org. Wonderful. Well, thanks for that. Now, Mark, before I ask my last question, I just want to thank you for being on the show and acknowledge you for all the work that you're doing, you know, all the um, two and a half decades that you've spent in the teaching industry and extending that now to the entrepreneurship arena and helping people solve problems easily. I think that's a phenomenal agenda that you have. And, um, you know, I always say as you're pursuing your dreams, you're giving others permission to pursue theirs. And I can tell that from, from the way you share your story. So I think um, we've done a lot of value from this, and um, we're absolutely grateful. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm, we're, we love what we're doing. <laughs> thank you. And now for, for the last question, Mark, um, when all is said and done, um, what legacy do you want to leave and be remembered for? And tell us why. Uh, I, I hope that uh, people remember me as someone who made a real impact on education and and changed a lot of the old and outdated traditions in education. Uh, you know, starting with the way that we assess learning, that's been so far probably the, the thing I've worked hardest to do with my books and with the uh, Teachers Throwing Out Grades Facebook page or group, uh, talking about de-emphasizing the traditional grade, the, the number, the letter, the label, and, and creating a conversation about learning. Uh, and, and the other one is, is traditional homework. Uh, we have a new book coming out next month, uh, Hacking Homework, and it's all about shifting the conversation away from the traditional you know, drill and kill, go home and work for three hours on something that kids can't connect with and don't understand to get getting kids excited about learning on their own, to go home and to say, hey, I, I learned this in school today and I want to extend upon it on my own time because I love to learn. So those kinds of things, I'd, I'd like to see us change traditional education to make it more progressive and to make learning fun. And when all is said and done, if people say, hey, that guy changed education, and he made learning fun. Uh, I'll have a long afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is amazing. Um, I know um, I was quite fortunate in, in school. I could cram and get good grades, but um, and then later on in life I realized some people are still brilliant, but they just can't handle that type of learning, but that is what is predominant what we have in our system today. So I think that's, that's a noble thing that you're doing, and um, you know, hopefully that can uh, be passed down to, to the generations that are coming um, down the track. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with me and Mark today. I hope you had as much fun as I did digging through all the, all the nitty-gritties of Mark's story. And, uh, but more importantly, I hope that you got your hopes up that um, you are good enough to chase your dreams. Remember to head on over to businessjournals.com for all the show notes. Just type in Mark in the search bar and his show notes will pop up with everything we talked about today. And uh, you can check Mark out at, at MarkBarnes19. Uh, that's Twitter. Or go to hacklearning.org. Um, and you can also check out Mark's podcast at that website. Mark, thank you so much for being on the Business Journals podcast today and for sharing your story with us. We are absolutely grateful. You are a true business general. Thanks, Davis. Let's do it again sometime. Hashtag hack learning. Thank you. 
Hey, what's up, Business Insurance family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Insurance Podcast. Connect with me at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.